Hi everyone, welcome to the Perma Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Welcome. I'm delighted to welcome back a good friend of mine. Uh, he's been a guest here before, Chris Morris, um, author and lots of other things. So uh, welcome back, Chris. It's great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me back, James. I'm really pleased to be here. Uh, yeah, no, Chris and I have known each other for quite a while um, through some writing courses and groups and things. Um, and uh, Chris has uh, put together a book. Um, we're going to talk about this book today. It's a book called Whispers in the Pews. It's a collection of um, stories from different authors about mental health in the church. So, um, and including me, actually. So extra reason you should buy this book because uh, my st- I've, got, I've written something for this book. So. <laughs> um, but no, Chris, tell us about this book and kind of the, the journey to the, creating this book and, and why you did it. Sure. So my, my own journey with mental illness has been, has been long and varied. And I've had both good and bad experiences in the church as a function of learning how to come to a place of better health. Mm. Um, over the, over the, the, I would say over the course of the last two or three years, I just started dialoguing with people, being a little more open about where, where I've been, the things that I've been going through, the struggles that I've been going through. And I realized a common theme is that a lot of churches don't, they, they really suck at working with people who have mental illnesses. Hmm. You know, so there's there are definitely some good stories. There there are some there are some positive influences and some positive models that are out there. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of inconsistency and there's a lot of negativity, a lot of kind of bad information that that pastors just out of lack of knowledge, lack of training, end up throwing out there that is, you know, that that's hurtful for those of us in the mental illness community. Mm. So so I decided sort of on a whim, hey, I wonder what would happen. I wonder if anyone would be interested in yeah. helping put together a book of, of stories around the, around their mm. experiences. And I was really blown away by the, 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 the openness that I've had from people and, you know, the, mm. boy, the, the stories that are in there are, it's, it's like a, a no-hold-barred zone where people are very real, very honest, very transparent about the things that have gone well and the things yeah. that haven't gone well. Wow. So how many people did you get to contribute, approximately? Um, if you know, 18. 18 people? Yeah. Wow. Awesome. And all different types of stories, different different uh, people, different, different, different conditions, different um, experiences. Are there positive and negative experiences in there? This is the thing that's lovely about it. I have people who are pastors. I have people who are counselors. I have... I, I have folks that have schizophrenia. There are stories in there about depression, anxiety, mm. suicidal ideations, and that you know there, there are some stories that are all that are that are very very positive. There are others that are that are sort of a mixture of well, it you know in this situation things went well, in that situation things were a struggle, and then there are a few stories that that are that are just hey things haven't gone well for me. You know, and those were the hardest ones to read and the hardest ones to include. But I wanted to kind mm. of be fair and give the full gamut of what 
what the experience is for those of us in the mental illness community when it comes to trying to be part of the church. Mm. Yeah, because I think one of the reasons I was so anxious to contribute to this was that I think, like you say, we need to hear these stories that are really, really raw. We need people to we need people who don't have mental illness and haven't experienced this, and pastors who maybe haven't experienced this, to actually see just the extent of what this can be like for us. And then, and you know, that's that's why this is such a a great book and a great project, like a great idea, because we need to raise awareness. And uh, I've got a friend called uh, Becky who was on the show recently, and she's creating materials for pastors to use to help them deal work with people with mental illness in the church better um oh that's spectacular yeah uh, because she's had mental illness herself um and uh yeah so she's now creating these great resources for people to for pastors like to help them understand better um so we need we need as much of this as possible and that's why this book is so so important so i mean what is your personal mental health journey what's your kind of experience and background so so i've had a couple kind of dramatically different experiences um Mm. probably about 12 years ago i was i was i was in the middle of a pretty significant bout of depression i talked with my pastor at the time and he communicated to me sort of your, your classic very extreme charismatic response Mm-hmm. which goes like this normally Chris I would say you don't have enough faith and that's the reason that you're still struggling with depression but I know you 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 have plenty of faith so there's only one option left I swear to you this is what he said there's only one option left you must you must have a you must be demon possessed oh, let, let me pray for you and I was like mm, no I'm good so so I learned in that moment that the church isn't a safe place for me to talk about my mental illnesses. Wow. And for the better part of a decade, I sort of suffered in silence. Um, things came to a head within the last six months. I was in a, was actually in a mental health facility for uh, uh, suicidal thoughts. I was wow. in a mental health facility for about a week. My, you know, my, my dealing with my depression on my own, it, it wasn't working. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up in a psych ward. My pastor came to visit me, and I was so stressed about him coming to visit me because of the last time, the last pastor that I interacted with, and his his response, James, to me was so dramatically different. And I think it's it's a mm. I, I look at it as a model for as a model for what pastors ought to be doing for for those of us who are in crisis and mental illness. He looked at me and he said, "Chris, we want I want you to know on behalf of the church that we love you." here for you. I'm sorry you're here. Please don't quit. There are too many things that God is still looking to do through your life. There's too much that we, that our, our church needs from you. So just hang in there. And when you come out, come out stronger, man. That's it. And it was awesome. That's perfect. That's, that's a, that's a really great response. Like, it is. It's it just, is. just, I can't, it still shocks me, and it shouldn't, it probably shouldn't shock me, but it does, that that you still get some pastors and some Christians saying that when you've got a mental illness, you've got a, you're demon-possessed, you know, that, 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 
I, I still just I just can't believe that in the twenty first century we're talking about depression being and being um, being about demon possession. You know, when we have all the science and all the research and all the and knowledge that says that you know that, that that's not the case at all. That it's that it's an illness. Um, and yet, there's such a can to happen because they, you know, there there are sects of, of Christianity that uh, that believe there there's a strictly spiritual answer for every problem. Mm, you know, so uh, so depression means well, you you haven't tapped into the joy of the Lord. Anxiety means well, well, clearly you, you you're just not trusting in God enough. Mm. PTSD means well, you haven't forgiven the person who sinned against you. And, yeah. and these are such simplistic answers. That, that ignore the the reality that our body impacts our mind, impacts our spirit, impacts our soul. We're all one thing. Yeah. To try and say it's just a spiritual response is, yeah, I'm going to stick with the word simplistic. That's the best possible word I can use. <laughs> the most polite word. <laughs> yeah. um, That's exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like the... Um, People who say who you still use that when you when you get prayed for and you don't get healed, they say it's because you haven't got enough faith or because you've got unresolved sin. You know, it's like so ridiculous. It's a joke almost. You know, because like, because like, nobody because there's only certain people that have got unresolved sin. Other people haven't. You know, like there's any. Well, some of us have issues and some of us don't have issues at all. We're perfect. You know. It's ridiculous, um, right. you know. And having kind of left that, left traditional church in a sense, now it becomes even more ridiculous to me that you know that I was ever kind of in a in a group that actually said that and actually believed it as a serious. Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know. I mean, I mean, like although you can say that like a hundred years ago, I mean, we're both epileptic. A um, hundred years ago, people were getting put into asylums. For being right. epileptic, because people thought it was a demon possession and that it was incurable and uncontrollable yeah. and like a sign of insanity. When now, only only a hundred years later, we we know that it's obviously nothing to do with that. And you know, it's scary how close how how close that is. You know, only a hundred years ago. You know, that's yeah. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Uh, so, what's kind of your big hope for this book? Like, what are you, what are you wanting people to get out of it? Are you, is this is this a book that's just for pastors and just for Christian leaders, or is it? I mean, when I when I when I read it, I thought it saw it as something which would give hope to people who are on that journey, um, sense of solidarity. You know, I mean, is that is that kind of one of your hopes for the book? You hit on a couple things already that, that definitely align with what I hope for this book. I, I definitely hope that that pastors and Christian leaders will will read it and will begin to open their eyes to just how diverse this term, mental illness, is. Because I think that you know there there's there is a a a, a, a very sort of paint paint broad brush strokes around what mental illness looks like. Mm. And, and 
you know, as you read the stories, as you read the essays and the in, in whispers in the pews, what what comes to light is that there's a, a a multifaceted perspective on what it looks like to have a mental illness, and even the people that that we think are quote normal, hmm. maybe maybe those who are suffering from a mental illness themselves. Um, so that that's definitely one piece of it. another piece, like you said, is just this idea of hey, we're, there, there, is a, there is an army, if you will, of people who are, who are battling a variety of different mental illnesses and who are looking to reconcile in some way their faith with, the, with this journey that they're on. And, and there, there, there's power in knowing that you're not walking through these journeys alone. So mm-hmm. my hope is that by sharing the such a, a broad diversity of stories. And even if it's just one story, someone will go, hey, that's sort of like me, and I'm not the only one who's feeling this way. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's really, really important. Again, we need as many messages of solidarity as possible out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, how has reading all these stories helped you in terms of your like facing mental health challenges? I guess the first thing I'd say is I I learned a lot myself around how I, how different things present and how lucky I am to be now in a church that is that is in a place that uh, that honors that journey. I also find I also find my heart much softer towards certain certain types of. Mental mental illnesses. I probably pick out PTSD mm. as as one that I learned a lot about. Whereas in the past, I might have been I might have said to someone who was having a, a reaction based off their PTSD, "Hey, why don't you just suck it up a little bit? This isn't. It's not like anything's happening to you right now." I, I, I've learned that that's a mm. that's a terrible response. Mm. And I just didn't know it. Yeah. I didn't understand how cold-hearted I was being. Yeah. And I didn't understand how, how kind of big of a jerk that, that that response, how unhelpful of a friend I'm being when, when I do that. And the other, the other thing that I've learned is just to really listen better to other people's stories. There's so much power in listening mm. to the stories and that, the experiences that people are going through, yeah. you know, as I'm editing some of these, some of these essays, I would have to stop because I was just overcome with emotion. Yeah. I was overcome with, frust- with either frustration over the way they were being handled or joy because, you know, there, there were, there, there are some stories in there that are just lovely examples of the church doing its job. Hmm. And, and those stories, I was overcome with joy, with a, yes, like the, 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 there is hope. It is going to get better. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I'd say. It's really interesting, isn't it, how even when we struggle with mental illness ourselves, that we can still have ignorance about, not intended ignorance, but just ignorance about other conditions. And like, you know, because... Like you say with PTSD, you had no idea of what that experience was until you until you read the stories, and that's I mean that's another example of the power of story as well. Like you can read all, you can find out all the facts about something, 
but when you hear stories and you can't, then you start to understand people's experiences and what that's actually like in real real life you know and that changes everything yeah and this is the reason that i wanted to put whispers in the pews together with, with, with without a whole lot of teaching without a whole lot of introduction just here's a dozen and a half stories of people who the only thing they have in common is they have some sort of mental illness now now read learn be touched be changed and begin to ask questions of how how can I live my life in a way that's more honoring to those who have a mental illness? Mm. And what was the key lesson that you learned reading the book? The things that you that even you needed to learn that you didn't realize you needed to learn. Um, you know the kind of yeah the key ways of like raising awareness and the, the things about mental illness that you didn't understand that now you do. I didn't realize how many people were putting masks on and acting like everything was okay. I mean, even the statistics of, you know, one in four people have a diagnosed mental illness. Stop and think about that for a second. And then think about the key word there. They have a diagnosed mental illness. Mm. I wonder what that number looks like. We add in all the people who who don't have a diagnosis for, for whatever reason. Either they haven't, they're, they're afraid to go to the doctor or they just think they can handle it on their own. You know, I, I, I had no idea how many people were putting on their shiny, happy Christian faces mm. and for, or, or, or their business faces or just acting like everything was okay when really they weren't. You know, so, so I'm, I'm learning in my life to slow down you know, instead of saying, hey, how you doing? And not even stopping as I walk by a person, expecting them to just give me a one-word answer. Like actually stopping and saying, hey, how's life? What's going on? Mm. There, there's something about that that kind of uh, honesty, that, that kind of just slowing down that that, that gives, gives people a safe space to be real. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's really, really important that we hear people's stories that we actually listen like and that's an incredible statistic as well when you think about it like as you say if that's the statistic of people who are diagnosed there must be a whole lot more people who are not diagnosed but are struggling yeah and um who don't feel that they they can share their story and don't feel they can talk to people about what's going on and that's that's a tragedy um I mean, not just in the church, but generally, like in, in society, that, that that that's the case. You know, we we really got to break that stigma around mental illness. You know, that it's, that it's actually it's not bad to it's not it doesn't make you a bad person to have a mental illness. It doesn't make make you deficient. It doesn't make anything. It doesn't change your value. Um, it you know, I mean, I, I suppose I find that especially as a guy who's meant to be like masculine and you know be strong and you know have it all together and you know there's the there's still that kind of old old view of masculinity and culture in our in western culture no matter how much we try and get away from it and like you kind of it's ingrained into you when you grow up as a as a boy especially a white a white boy you know um and to kind of admit weakness isn't isn't easy for a guy i mean it's difficult for anybody but i think when I think as a guy, there's a different, 
like because we're not meant to we're, we're kind of all like we're meant to be strong and not have any weaknesses and not admit that we've got any faults and especially to each other as men like and uh oh, I, I fully agree with you there's this archetype that's you know of a protector warrior that says I'm, i've always got everything together i've got my i've got my battle axe at my side i've got i've got my my, my I'm ready to take on anything that comes comes my way, and there's not there's no place, there's no space for. Oh, and I suffer with with I suffer from anxiety. I'm a highly sensitive person. Like these mm-hmm. these things, they don't they they don't fit well together. So we 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 learn as men to to hide. Yeah, that that's why I'm I'm, I'm glad that there were there are a number of essays in in this book that are from men and they are being it's some of the most honest essays in there you mm. think of my I think of the one from from Joel Larson where he basically walks through you know he, he starts it by saying I shouldn't have a mental illness I was in the military I was a cha- I was a chaplain's assistant I'm the spiritual director for a mental health a mental health facility this shouldn't be my experience and then he walks through basically a 72-hour anxiety attack that he had, and how he still struggles with anxiety. And I, I'm, I'm so proud of him, you know, for for the, the the strength and the courage to be able to to lay all of that out there, you know. And even beginning with I, this shouldn't be who I am, but this is who I am. I think there is. Uh, you know, it, it gives us permission to to begin to be a little more honest ourselves with the things we struggle with as other men. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I also want to say um, what I said is not to in any way diminish the challenges and the struggles that women face with mental illness because they are just as difficult. Um, you know, we're not special as men. Um, um <laughs> You know, um, mental illness is is a huge challenge to live with, whatever gender you are, um, and whatever you know. Um, I was just—I mean, the reason I talked about as a man was really because that's my experience, and sure. I know that there's a there's a certain set of challenges as a man that you face, which um, which our culture kind of puts on us, which. Maybe women don't have, but that I mean that doesn't make it any easier for women at all. But it just it's just a different set of challenges, um, I think. Yeah, I was thinking of another essay that uh, Stephanie Monguido wrote, where she she literally was having to make a decision between taking care of herself or or being present for her children. You know, and that's a that's a terrible choice to have to make. There's no, there's no right answer there. I don't think, mm. you know, because on the one hand, if you, if you are taking care of your children, then you're, you're fulfilling that, 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 that role as a mom that you're expected to fill, but you're doing it poorly because you're, because mm. you're not okay. And on the other hand, if you take the time to manage to really get the help that you need, so that in the future you can be a better mom. There's a there's a moment in time where you're having to choose to put yourself over your kids, and that just feels it just feels wrong. Yeah. You know, so that challenge is all around. Yeah, you're exactly. Right. Yeah, and I I know other women with 
with you've had serious mental illness who've you've had that challenge as well of being a mother and wanting to be a good mother and but then having these these challenges and which have made it difficult for them to do that you know um, and there and there's that and there's, there's other I'm sure there are other unique challenges which women face with mental illness um, which you know we wouldn't which we wouldn't have as men so um, yeah I really want to make sure that people listening don't hear me diminishing women's experience of mental illness because that's not what I'm doing um, because um, I know plenty of women with mental illness and they have they, they struggle a lot more than I do even so um, yeah I just want to make I wanted to make that clear <laughs> Um, so how has putting this together, this book and reading these stories, how has it impacted your faith? Um, because obviously this is about mental illness in the church. So, um, and you know, and that's one thing that a lot of people struggle with is reconciling mental illness with faith. So how has that impacted your journey? That's a really good question, James. I think that, um, you know, on, Overall, I feel like the, the the general gist of the stories has been they, they, they tend to trend a little more negative than positive, right. which has definitely been challenging for me. You know, there, there are a couple people who, who who have said, "I'm afraid to be in a church, or I'm afraid to invest in a church, or I'm afraid, or I'm not a part of a church." Because the, the church doesn't know how to de- how to help me, you know, and that that breaks my heart. In in a, in a real, it, it really does. It saddens me in a way that I am struggling to even put into words. Um, you know, I I'm learning in this context at least to be more of of an optimist. You know, with stories like like yours and there are several others that were that were very positive or elements of stories that were very positive where the church or where a church did everything right. Mm. You know, I I I believe that there is an opportunity for the church to step up. I mean in in, in the same way that a hundred years you know, you were talking about a hundred years ago epileptics were were thrown in asylums because there, there was obviously something significantly wrong with them. I believe that, you know, I think we're in a season now where mental illness is coming to the forefront, where, where people are starting to recognize, hey, depression is more than just having a sad day. Hey, you know, schizophrenia is, that doesn't mean that you're, 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 you're some sort of, but like you're a split personality person where, where one of you is a mass murderer and the other one is really nice. Mm. Yeah. You know, like we, like we see in the movies or, or, or someone who struggles with, with anxiety, you know, they didn't, they're not canceling lunch with you just because they don't like you or because they're, they're in, because they're, they're irresponsible. It's because their, their anxiety is, just got a hold of them in a way that they can't let it that they can't let go of it. I think that there's more and more people who are becoming advocates for mental illness. You know, I think even even in Hollywood there's some some folks who are being really honest about the things that they've gone through with their mental illnesses. Yeah. Challenging it's been and I think we're in a season of change. So I'm yeah. I'm hopeful that the church becomes you know the the leading edge of that. That hasn't always been the case. 
but I hope that the church becomes a leading edge for for, for shifting the, the view of mental illnesses and how how faith interacts with those. Yeah, absolutely agree. I do think it's a really big time of change. I think, yeah, and that's what I see. I talk to a lot of people who are doing great work. Um, like I uh, mentioned before we started recording, my friend um, Becky, um, Becky Castle Miller, who is doing great work creating materials for pastors um, and um, to help them do uh, do deal with people with mental illness better. Um, I've got a friend in um, who was on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago um, in the Southern Hemisphere who is doing a lot of similar work and getting people with mental illness involved in serving in church and, and speaking and you know, sharing their stories in church. And so there's a lot of good things happening. Yes. Um, and it's just, we need to just keep it, keep up the momentum, I guess, and keep sharing stories and getting, keep getting people aware. Um, because I don't think, and your story is a great example where you didn't know about PTSD just through, because you just didn't know, not because you're a bad person or you've got prejudice. Um, I think there's people out there who, if they knew the stories, if they knew what it was like, if they if they if they understood those experiences, they would they would care more. They would want to do more than they're doing already. Um, I think it's not that people don't care, because I think most decent human beings would care. Um, it's just raising that awareness and raising that not you know of of these stories and these experiences and how we need to combat them and what's needed. Um, and this book is a really, really important part of that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you've been doing some great work in, in this area for quite a while. I mean, your last book, um, Perfectly Abnormal, was about chronic illness, and yeah. um, which was another fantastic book. And uh, there seems to be kind of an arc of a lot of your work is raising awareness about chronic illness and now mental illness as well. Um, that's really, really great. I mean, what are you? What else are you doing uh, in terms of doing that? Um, I mean, whether it's writing or anything else. I have a couple speaking engagements set up at a at my my alma mater, my 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 undergraduate college, where I'm going to be, be talking to folks who are just in the very beginning stages of looking to go into full time ministry mm-hmm. and dialoguing with them about. You know what it, you know what the boundaries are, what it looks like to to be able to help someone who has a chronic or a mental illness, and when you need to just go, whoa, this is too much. You know, part of my part of my hope I, is also to begin to help pastors and and, and other other church leaders develop a uh, you know a resource directory because there, goodness, there there are. You know, you have someone come in who, who is into your office who is significantly suicidal. You probably ought not be the only one who's interacting with them. That's probably not a great choice. You know, there, there are suicide prevention hotlines. There are, there, there, there are mental health facilities. There are psychiatrists, psychologists who'd be able to help, counselors who'd be able, even in the midst of a crisis, mm. to be able to step in. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the very beginning stages of starting to 
help develop those sort of resources as well for people. That's fantastic. That's really, really fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what 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 else you do because, uh, you know, I think I feel like you've only just got started with these these two books. Um, it's really exciting. And what I mean, like what what kind of word of wisdom would you want to give to people who maybe aren't that aware of the stories of mental illness and what that experience is like, but are wanting to understand outside of reading the book, obviously. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, because no, I mean, I would definitely recommend that because that's got a lot of real stories, but, um, which are really important, but what kind of practical things can people do in their kind of day to day that can help make a difference? I mentioned one of them, which is just, just slow down and really pay attention to the people who are around you. I mean, you know, part, especially in the, in, in the context of church, if we're, if we're really intending or, or at least pretending to be a community, then it's not going to be that hard to notice when someone is a little off mm. or if someone hasn't been, hasn't, hasn't been attending church for a while. You know, maybe a while, it's two weeks, maybe it's six weeks. I don't know, whatever that looks like for you. You know, just just sort of paying attention to the people who are around you and then asking asking questions and actually staying present long enough to hear the answers. You know, Mm. something that's sort of silly that that I've started doing. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask people, how are you doing? They'll say, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm like, really, are you? That's awesome. Mm. Sure. And sometimes they're like, no, I'm really not doing fine. I've actually had a really shitty week. Oh, that's really good. I like that. Uh, let's talk about that then. What's going on? I mean, if you want to talk about it, I don't want to force anything on you, but what, what's going on? How can I help? Mm. You know, I, I, we, we, we live such fast-paced lives. It's easy to become mostly isolated and yeah. to focus mostly on the things that are that are on our internal checklist. Yeah. I think slowing down is a huge component of being able to to help. Yeah. I, I really do. And yeah. sometimes people will say, I, I've had a, you know, I'm really battling some things, but I don't want to talk about it. You know, then, 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 then you can move to something practical. Well, let, let me pick up dinner for you. Let me just have dinner delivered to your house. We don't need to talk. You, know, you don't need to tell me anything, but I bet that not having to worry about dinner is going to make it a little easier for you. Mm. And people are generally appreciative of that. Yeah. And it's hard to say no to a free meal. At least for me, it is. I think yeah. that's ingrained in me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. Right. If someone says, "Oh, I'll buy you, me- I'll buy you dinner," I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do I sign? You know. Like, yes. Um, yeah, and it's just those little things, isn't it? It's just little things where you just pay attention that can make all that all the difference. I know when I have when I have those bouts of really bad depressive moods and um, anxiety and stuff, and I'm feeling really really alone. Somebody just coming along and saying like, "Are you okay? Are you really okay?" You know, um, and just willing to listen. You know, and yeah. give me a hug, maybe. You know. Those things they make a difference. They make 
They make the world of difference, in fact. They, they, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like it's much, but it's, it's huge, you know. Um, so great advice. Great advice. Um, so when people, where, where can people get this book, Whispers in the Pews? So it's it's available. It's it'll be available on Amazon right now. The ebook is available for pre-order. Um, I'll, I'll have the paperback up momentarily, just working through some logistics with that. But um, you can you can find it on Amazon. Awesome. Awesome. The official release date is November sixteenth. Excellent, excellent. I'm really excited uh, about this and see the response to it because I think uh, this is yeah I keep saying it I just think it's a really really important book and yeah it's a really great idea and uh, I hope it I hope it gets the success that it deserves and we kind of need it to be successful as well so that people can hear more of these stories so thanks for coming thanks for coming on the show Chris it's been really great to have you back oh it was awesome to be on thank you so much James um yeah and uh, go buy that book, go check it out, and uh, yeah, take care everyone.